these guys care about each other, and that's what you would want in a teammate, someone who wouldn't want to let, let their teammates down. That's exactly what you would want. So, shoot, I'm proud of those guys for that. Dirk Cutter talking about the passionate Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Welcome to A Few Extra Bucks. I am merely Mike Neighbors. Our Buccaneer insider, Roy Cummings, and our producer, Justin Thomas, will join me in just a bit. But off the bat, i got to thank our co-title sponsors, House of Brews and Lutz and the corner of Northdale Mabry and Van Dyke, and, of course, Sea Dog Brewing Company, two great locations, Clearwater and on the beach in Treasure Island. Great brews, great food, great service. Uh, the Buccaneers win in overtime, 26-23. Roy Cummings had his rapid reaction after the game. We haven't had a chance to bring the band together. Uh, first off, Justin, how would you feel quickly about that game? That was probably one of the most frustrating wins I've seen in a long time. Yeah, Roy, I didn't feel like, you know, they won the game, but it didn't feel like a win to me. I don't know how you felt about it. No, I can see how you would feel that way and a lot of other people would too. I think that's kind of actually the prevailing theory or feeling is that it didn't feel like a win. But I'll say this, you know, back in the day after Tony Dungy came aboard as the Bucks coach, the Bucks did a lot of what they called winning ugly. This was winning ugly, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, nobody cares how you win, as long as you win. And what it did at that point, you know, it, it pushes them back to 3-3 three and three at 500, um, and they're still in the race. You know, that's, to me, that's it. The season is alive now because of that win. Had they lost that game, they're 2-4 and four, going to Cincinnati, a game that they're probably still going to struggle with, but a game that a lot of people probably, you know, didn't think they could win. Uh, you know, bit of a tough schedule, you know, straight ahead with Carolina coming up, Redskins coming up. Those are tough games. So the fact that they're going into those games now at 3-3, three and three, I think, you know, again, the season is alive. Let's see what happens from here. Um, the sledding is going to only get tougher for them. But uh, I, I think, to me, a, a win is a win. doesn't matter if it's ugly or pretty. And in this case, it kept the season alive. Maybe on a respirator, but alive. Yeah, and, and when I say it didn't feel like a win, it, you know, I will say this about the Buccaneers, and we played Dirk Cutter's passionate soundbite to begin the podcast. You know, Chandler Catanzaro was very emotional after the game, you know, with his 59-yarder. And then you had Quan Alexander, who Dirk Cutter calls the heart and soul of this defense. And it's hard to argue with that. You know, he leaves the game. But it, right before the team took to the field in the second half, comes out of the locker room, talks to him. So they were obviously an emotional team going into the second half. But Quan Alexander now out for the season and being the heart and soul of a defense that's really struggled, that's a huge loss for this football team. Well, when I said that, uh, you know, this team, that the sledding only gets tougher, that's that's exactly what I'm referring to is not only did you lose Quan Alexander, the heart and soul of the defense, some might even say the heart and soul of the football team uh, in a lot of ways, um, but you, you lost his backup, Jack Cici, who I think has the ability to be a really good football player if he could stay healthy, and the problem with him has been knee injuries. I wonder if, you know, he's facing maybe the end of a career, to be honest. But, um, but no, I mean, we're – You've lost that piece of the defense. You've already lost most of your secondary. You lost Gerald McCoy and Vinnie Curry. Don't know when they're coming back, McCoy in particular. Now you've lost Quan Alexander. This defense is getting to a point where it was already tough for it to compete. It's only getting tougher, and if it gets any tougher, it's not going to be able to compete. It's going to be such a problem that the Bucks are just going to be, in essence, 
uh, you know, out of it in terms of playing defense. And, and it's going to be really ugly. The, the pressure is going to be too great on the offense, and they're just going to have too much of a hard time trying to win football games. It could get really tough for these guys, uh, you know, going forward here. But we'll see what happens. Here's what Dirk Cutter had to say about what Quan Alexander brings to this football team. What the players love about Quan and, and everyone that is around him is just uh, his passion for playing football. I mean, Quan goes hard every play, and he 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 wears he wears his emotion on his sleeve. And it's uh, you know he's a he's a terrific competitor, and uh, he brings energy to our defense. You know, like we would always like guys to communicate more, but but Quan's a talker out there. I mean, he's he's the guy that's uh, trying to amp everybody up. And, and you know. I thought it was interesting, and, and we haven't made a big deal out of this, but uh, I thought Dirk Cutter uh, not naming the captains w- was interesting before the season. We found out before this game, Roy, that Gerald McCoy wasn't voted as a captain. Quan Alexander was voted as a captain. And, you know, Gerald McCoy, you can say a lot of things about what he's done uh, since he's been a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. I thought that was an interesting choice by this football team, and it showed me – I don't know if it's a changing of the guard, but it showed how important Quan Alexander is to his teammates. Yeah, it really does. I mean, it shows you how much respect they have for him. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if this is, you know, I'm not sure what the thinking was behind that. I don't know by how many votes Quan Alexander made it as a captain over Gerald McCoy. It could have been a lot. It could have been one, you know, for all I know. I don't know. But uh, at the end of the day, it's an interesting uh, dynamic that you have there. And, uh, but again, I think it, it proves that what you've got in Quan Alexander is uh, a player that is greatly respected and, as we've already said, is indeed the heart and soul of this, uh, of this unit on the team. He's a big, big player and a guy who pretty much, uh, you know, he's got leadership qualities. There's no doubt about that. Um, and he's, he's a passionate player and that passion, you see it uh, you see it throughout the game. I mean, he's one of those guys who's very animated on the field and is fun to watch because of that. And, um, you know, being without him is going to hurt this team, not just in a physical way, but it's going to hurt them emotionally. And some people may think that's, you know, kind of kind of a silly notion to make, but it's not. I mean, you've got to have that emotion in order to play at a high level in this league. And uh, uh, the loss of Clint Alexander takes out a lot of the emotion this team would put, put on the field on a Sunday. It also puts Quan Alexander in a tough spot, and you hate to see this for any kind of player. You know, Ali Marpet just got the new deal, and and the Buccaneers haven't drafted uh, off the charts since Jason Light's been on board, but he's had some great picks. You know, Ali Marpet gets the deal, and Quan Alexander is a big year this year for him because he looked to get in a contract extension, and now that's kind of in limbo, and Dirk Cutter addressed that as well. A- absolutely. I mean, you know, a guy, a guy's uh... – his second contract is is big, and uh, you know, terrible terrible timing as far as that goes. But I also think that good football players in this league are are always going to get rewarded, and uh, you know, guys are guys are coming back uh, faster than ever before, and and guys have have overcome overcome this, but doesn't doesn't make it any easier what Quan's about to go through, and you know, you feel you feel bad for a guy like that. So you have a you know the linebacking position that used to be a strength for this team you know they lose Kendall Beckwith and and then now it's Quan Alexander but it, there's that LSU connection they signed Kevin Minter this week a, a former big pick by the Arizona Cardinals who has been disappointing in his career in the NFL Riley Bull is back and Darius Taylor is also in the mix what do you see this team you know stepping forward with Quan's position Roy well I like I like the move 
moves that they've made. I, I think Jason White, you know, had a had a hand in probably drafting uh, Minter in, in Arizona, and uh, you know, so so I think that he knows the player. He knows that he's a talented player. He's been, uh, as you said, a bit of a disappointment, uh, maybe an underachiever in terms of certainly where he was drafted, what was expected of him, but. He's got some experience, and now he's got a second chance, and he's going to get a chance to play. Um, that's important for a player like him. Riley Bullock, who we talked, you know, we just talked a minute ago, or I, I mentioned at least, you know, the loss of emotion that you get from losing a guy like Juan Alexander. Well, one thing Riley Bullock can, can bring you is a lot of that emotion, and not only can he bring you that, but he's a very smart player, and you know, he certainly didn't get cut because he doesn't know the defense or have the ability to, to rally a group of guys together and lead them on the field. It, it probably had something to do with uh, just execution and things like that. He can shore that up. Um, you're talking about a guy who you know, kind of has just about all the intangibles you're looking for, really everything you're looking for in a player, but certainly in the intangibles, he has that. And so I'm anxious to see what, you know, what these guys can bring. They're probably going to be in secondary roles to begin with. Uh, Devontae Bond is back as well. Um, that's another guy who's familiar with the with the defense here. Kendall Beckwith will be back. Um, look, I said at the beginning of the year that this team was probably as deep at linebacker as they were at tight end. It was probably, in my opinion, might even been a little bit you know deeper, but it's deepest position certainly on the defense, um, and arguably the deepest position on the team. Uh, that depth is now going to be tested. We've seen that this, the depth in the secondary um, maybe not as good as we thought. It's just the problem there is young depth. Um, not as young on the defensive side with linebacker. There's, there's some experience there. Uh, that's the good news because it's going to get tested now. But I, you know, I'm anxious to see if they can uh, take it past the test. You know, Dirk Cutter was asked about simplifying the defense since uh, the Duffmeister, the Duffster, Mark Duffner, stepped up. And, you know, and, and I thought it was interesting. I, I thought in a roundabout way he kind of defended Mike Smith when he answered the question. He said, actually, we simplified the defense after the bye going into the Atlanta game. So it's been you know, ongoing for a couple weeks now. But I did think, obviously, the young secondary guys – you know, from Carlton Miles to MJ Stewart, maybe had their best games collectively, and that's a good sign for this D and this team moving forward. I thought you're right. You know, I, I I didn't know that they simplified it the week before. It, it makes sense now that he says that because I mean, they, as I said last week, it was interesting to me that they fired Mike Smith when they did because it seemed to me like their play against Atlanta was actually the, the best they had played uh, in, a, in a while, and. Um, you know, seemed to me like they figured a few things out there. They got the uh, uh, they got some of the pressure packages going and, and working. Certainly, there in the second half, thought they worked actually in the first half as well. So, um, I'm not surprised to hear that uh, they simplified it. It wasn't as evident um, watching that uh, that uh, that game in Atlanta, but um, this one, uh, you know, no, it makes sense to me. I mean, you know, it's what had to be done, and it's something. I know on this podcast we've been calling for it, Mike, for, for a while. You got to simplify this defense. These young kids, you know, they're talented, but it's hard to, you know, it, it's hard to, for that talent to show through when they're playing slowly because they're thinking instead of reacting and playing naturally. It just that's no way for anybody in in sports uh, to be at their best if they're thinking it. Um, it's slowing it's slowing them down and. Uh, they had to they had to simplify things to to get the natural ability out there and to show that off. And now that we're seeing it, you know, it, it could be that we go you know three, four, five games where they allow 
you know, 23, 24 points. If that, if that happens, this team's got a chance to stay competitive. All right, let's jump on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Jameis Winston, you know, he's done some good things in his, in his two starts. But, again, he's the same old Jameis in a lot of ways. He's had three games, two starts, one second half, but seven turnovers. Um, and Dirk Cutter defended him. You know, a running back ran a wrong route in one interception. Uh, Miles Garrett had a great play uh, and another play, you know, another turnover. But Jameis has to stop this, Roy. I mean, it's a broken record. We talk about simplifying the defense, and we talk about Jameis Winston's turnovers. What's your take on Jameis after uh, two starts so far? Well, look, I, I see what everybody's screaming about with the turnovers, but a third of the turnovers are not Jameis Winston's fault. A third of these turnovers are the result of other players not doing their job. And unfortunately, the quarterback takes the hit for that. His stats take the hit. Uh, he gets blamed for, for the loss. Uh, at the end of the day, James Winston, in the two starts that he's made now, has put the Bucks in position to win. He's had them in a position to win. Um, certainly, he, you know, and he had them in a position to win last week uh, in regulation. The only reason they didn't win in regulation was because the kicker didn't do his job and took an extra point to begin with, and then he missed another field goal um, attempt. So, you know, Jameis Winston has put this team in position to win. He's done his job. Um, could he do it better? Yes, of course. Uh, you never want to see a player have seven picks and five touchdowns. But let's not forget that he had a four-touchdown, two-pick game with 395 yards uh, of offense and 115 passer rating in there, too. Last week wasn't quite as sharp. But let's also remember that a couple of those, you know, he had some drop passes. Mike Evans dropped one. Chris Godwin dropped one. He had a couple dropped by his uh, by the secondary. And again, players running wrong routes. I mean, uh, one of those ended up as a as an interception. Uh, but at the end of the day, how many other wrong routes were run? So uh, I, right now, I think the the least of this team's problems is James Winston, and and even the, with the picks. Uh, to me, other players have to start playing a little bit better and stepping up and doing a little bit more. Um, if, again, I think if everybody played at the level James Winston is playing at right now, um, this would be a better than 500 football team. Well, James Winston hasn't had the benefit of a great defense or a great running game. And the running game you know, showed some signs of life, obviously, uh, the last game against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Peyton Barber dinged up, and we'll see how his status will be this week. But how about Ronald Jones? Rojo, with his first touchdown, Here's what Dirk Cutter said about the emergence of second-round pick and rookie running back Ronald Jones. Ronald is continuing to, to carve out a little bit of a niche, and I think, I think his progress, everybody can see that he's making progress. I mean, the two things he's improved on a ton since he's been here is catching the football and in pass protection. I mean, he's, he's a stout guy when he steps up there. And, you know, the last two weeks, he's, he's done a good job of, of running the football, and he's made, made a couple nice runs. I mean, we haven't seen the burst yet, Roy, but I think it's always good that, that Ronald Jones is gaining confidence, getting in the end zone. It's good to hear his pass protections improving. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a positive. I mean, he hasn't shown the burst I think all of us expected when he was drafted and came out of USC. But, uh, you know, any kind of sign of life in this running game, we know the passing game is going to be there. That has to be a plus for this offense. Yeah, I agree. Uh, little by little, we're starting to see Ronald Jones kind of develop and, and get a feel for the for the league, really, and the speed of it. And you're right. We haven't really seen the burst, but 
you know, he needs a crease. Uh, there's no doubt about that. This is not a guy who's going to make a lot of yards on his own. He, he needs a crease, and if that crease is created and he can get through it, uh, he could be, be devastating. I, I think the Bucks will be a little bit better off if they spend a little bit more time trying to run him north and south as opposed to east and west trying to get him out into, into space. Um, he's going to have to create his own space or he's going to have to find his own space. Um, but I think running him into the line is going to be their best bet. Uh, it seemed to me last week is when he had his best runs. He was going straight ahead and getting a, a little bit of a crease. So he doesn't need much of one, but he needs one. And if he can get through it, I think he can, be, he can, be, uh, he can do some damage. So, and I still think that Peyton Barber is running well. He just, again, he's, you know, this team is usually behind. Um, and last week, it just, you know, things weren't really working out as well as they wanted to. But for whatever reason, they just, they can't seem to get the running game going. And, you know, that players need a rhythm. Uh, running backs need to get into a rhythm. It's hard to get into a rhythm when you're running it, you know, once every five or eight plays. And, and that's kind of what they're doing now. So they need a little bit more balance, a little bit more rhythm. If they can get to that, um, you know, my guess is these running backs will probably give them what they're looking for eventually. Because, again, I, I, I think there's talent there. It's just a matter of that talent being developed. And we, we've talked about the offensive line, uh, you know, some great strides this year, obviously. But Kalen Beninock continues to, to struggle. And Alex Kappa, you know, we haven't seen uh, what he can do. Here's what Dirk Cutter says uh, about the progress of Alex Kappa. I think Alex is, is making is making uh, adequate progress. You know, once you, once you get in the season and you get in, into your rotation, uh, the guys that aren't active or the guys that are on your practice squad, they're, they're – chance to improve and show show their progress is is during Wednesday Thursday and Friday practice and, and Alex is doing that Roy you know I think this offensive line is obviously better than a year ago but if boy if Alex Kappa could step up and really uh, be that player uh, sooner than later that this franchise hoped for especially for Caleb Beninock who struggled that'd be huge for the for the O-line yeah, it would. Um, but, you know, right now they're kind of running a, a little bit of a platoon there with Evan Smith and uh, Caleb Beninock. And I, they're doing okay. It's As you said, it's not great. But you know what? I would think that the, look, the Bucks see these guys every day in practice. They know exactly what's going on. They know exactly who's playing well, who's not, who's got the scheme down properly. It would seem to me that um, – Right now, they feel that the, the best players are Beninock, Smith, and Kappa in that order. I, I think the day will come when Alex Kappa uh, is a regular here, and he's the starter. But if it comes this year, well, don't be surprised if it's a result of injury or the fact that the team's uh, four games below 500. I, I think that's what we're looking at, um, just because right now the, the experience, I think, is what's carrying uh, Caleb Beninock and, and Evan Smith uh, to the top. It's why they're playing more because their experience uh, obviously is is what's setting them apart from Alex Kappa. All right. Well, uh, we've broken down both sides of the ball. We've talked about the state of the Bucks right now, still very much alive for a lot of things. Well, they could have really benefited from the Saints and Carolina losing. That would have helped their cause, but that didn't happen. Uh, Carolina and the Saints uh, pulling off some wins late in both of their games. But you know what? We've talked about the Bucks enough maybe we'll talk a little more but it's time for maybe the most enjoyable part of the show right justin absolutely three and out baby three questions for roy cummings and we are out of here you know we talked about kevin minter coming into the fold 
former Arizona Cardinal. And I think we all agree, we've talked about this, we'd rather see another Arizona Cardinal become a former Arizona Cardinal, and that would be cornerback and pro bowler Patrick Peterson. And our first question in our three and out, Roy Cummings, what would you give up if you were Jason Light for Patrick Peterson? Would it be a – I don't think it would be a first. I don't see anybody giving up a first. But would it be a second, a third, or a fourth? I would give up a second at this point if you're confident that you can sign him uh, and keep him around for a good three, four years. Um, because, you know, it's to me he's a guy that I think this team needs him. I really do. It would be an upgrade. Um, I mean, you've got to think beyond this year. You've got to think that, you know, Brent Grimes, you know, is either – this is probably his last year anyway. And it may not be much of a year to begin with. So, um, you know, let's see how Brent Grimes is going. I would think, to me, Patrick Peterson is a guy that you can, that you can absolutely have. Now, look, uh, Jason White probably knows as much about Patrick Peterson as anybody. Um, you know, and, and he's very close with the Arizona Cardinals GM. If you know, it's, to me, if if there's a reason not to have Patrick Peterson, Jason Light will know it and he'll stay away. And if there's a reason to have him, he'll make a good deal for him. But I would say he's worth at least a second. He's worth a second round pick. I wouldn't want to go a number one pick either. I'd rather have him for a third. But I think if you have to go with a second, I, I would do that just because I think he's that important to not only this team, uh, this team this year, but this team next year and beyond. Yeah, the Cardinals came out and said they're not trading him, but we've heard that before, and it seems like they have a lot of leverage because a lot of teams need corners. Now, the Saints signed Eli Apple. They've become Ohio State South with Marshawn Lattimore and Eli Apple and Von Bell and Kirk Coleman, <laughs> all former Buckeyes in that secondary, obviously along with Michael Thomas. But if the Bucks get Patrick Peterson, they'll be LSU South with Quan Alexander, with Beckwith, with you know all these guys, mentor, and with Patrick Peterson. So we'll see how that goes. All right, our second question in our three and out, who would you rather be moving forward? Would you rather be Roy Cummings, Blake Bortles, or would you rather be Brock Osweiler at this point in their NFL careers? Uh, I'll still take being uh, Blake Bortles because um, (laughs) it's a good question. Um, I'll take Blake Bortles because I still think he's got room to grow. Um, he had a bad game last week. You know, every quarterback has a bad game. He had a bad game. He had, you know what? He had a couple of bad games last year. And he ended up going to the playoffs anyway. I'll take being Blake Bortles because I still think he's going to get paid. I still think he's going to be someone's starting quarterback next year. Probably the, uh, the, 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 the Jaguars. So I'll take being Blake Bortles. I don't think it's a bad position for him to be in. He's one of those guys, you know, kind of reminds me a little bit of Alex Smith. You know, got beat up a lot early on in his career, didn't meet expectations. Everybody thought he was pretty much a bust. And then all of a sudden, slowly, by, you know, little by little, he kind of figured it out. And I think that's kind of where we're headed with Blake Bortles. Slowly but by surely, he, I think he's figuring it out. He's going to have bad games, just like everybody. Um, but again, you know, that's always uh, uh, accentuated, emphasized more with the quarterback. But I think at the end of the day, he's going to be an okay quarterback. I don't know if he's going to be great, but um, I think I'd rather be Blake Bortles because I still think he's got a, uh, a ceiling for him uh, that's, that's still uh, ahead, and I think he's going to get paid eventually. 
Well, my, my problem with Blake Bortles is he's like the over-the-hump guy for me. Once you want to get over the hump with Blake Bortles, he sends you right back down the mountain again. You want to, you want to kind of root for him. And I want to draw a parallel maybe between the Jaguars and the Ravens' defense back in 2000, except the Jaguars' defense, they don't deserve to be in that comparison because they've been awful this year too. So I, I'd like to see that Jaguars team with Kirk Cousins. I think they would be formidable. But the bottom line is with Blake Bortles, and I think you'd agree with me on this, when you don't have a running game, he's not as effective. Uh, some quarterbacks, you know, throw a Drew Brees in there or a Matt Ryan or the elite guys, they can handle it without the elite running backs or a running game. You take Leonard Fournette out of that offense, and Blake Bortles is a totally different quarterback. You saw him with Fournette in the playoffs last year. So they need to get Fournette healthy. Um, you know, obviously they're picking up some running backs off the street, and uh, you know, they got Carlos Hyde. I don't know if that's going to help him or not, but I'd rather have Bortles too. But, boy, that's a lesser of two evils because Osweiler, I mean, the body of work is, is not good with him either. All right, we bring it back in, Justin. We'd like to finish the three and out with a little bit of pop culture. Um, what would you say would be your favorite game show? And the, these all have staying power, unlike Bortles and Osweiler. These game shows have staying power, Roy and Justin. What is your favorite of these three game shows? Price is Right, Wheel of Fortune, or Jeopardy? Justin, you go first. <laughs> I'm going to go with Jeopardy. I am a sucker for trivia. I love trivia. And uh, sometimes it's fun just seeing how smart or maybe how not smart you are watching that game. So, yeah, I love Jeopardy. I'm, I'm right there with him. I'm a Jeopardy fan. Uh, I love the show. Um, I, I watch it as often as I can. Um, like to see if you know if I'm even capable of competing with these smart people. Uh, you know, every once in a while, I, uh, I, there's a show and I do pretty well. So uh, uh, I, I like the show. You learn from it. Uh, I think it's a good show. Um, and you know, so I, I'm I'm a, I'm a big Jeopardy fan. I'll take that one for sure. Yeah, I like Jeopardy, but boy, it doesn't make me feel very smart. And and I'm not dumb, but uh, you know, I, I I I don't know. I like I would pick Jeopardy of those three. But I will say this, if you're listening Publix or Winn-Dixie or any of you supermarkets out there, I think a great promotion would be a price is right. When you step up and put your groceries up there, immediately guess what your groceries are. If you guess like under, you get free groceries. If you guess over, you got to add, you got to pay like 20 more. I think it's almost like a casino. I think at the end of the day, the grocery stores would win. But that's my two cents today, guys. What do you think of that? Just throwing that's it a hell of a promotion. I like the idea. Mike's always wheeling and dealing. All right. Yeah. All right. So I'm just throwing that out there. So we go from grocery stores, <laughs> Kevin Mentor, Patrick Peterson, Jameis Winston, Quan Alexander. We touched them all. Listen, Roy Cummings, uh, I appreciate your time. And uh, we will check back in with you uh, Thursday. Justin Thomas, our voice of reason. Thanks for pulling the sound down. I am merely Mike Neighbors. I'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Great brews, great food, great service. Until next time, uh, thanks for logging on. And remember, remember, subscribe to PeterPowers.com, everybody. It is free. Thanks a lot.